Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is The Savage Nation. Welcome to Rock and Roll Friday. If you think I'm going to talk about impeachment for two hours, you got the wrong show. I suggest you listen to Wallbanger. Uh, go to Wallbanger. You can get all you need about impeachment day and night, 20, 25 hours in a row. I'm not interested in it. The bottom line here is that it blew up in their face. The bottom line is that Pelosi and Schiffless are traitorous. The bottom line is, is that every poll that's coming out shows that support for Trump has gone up. It's gone down for impeachment. And Pelosi's scheme collapsed around her and Schiffler is washed up. And that's the end of it. I don't want to talk about it. That's it. Now, I want to talk about other things today on Open Mic to Mike Friday. I want to play some of the greatest hits of the week. I want to play some rock and roll. We have John Yu on in the second hour, who's a great guy. You'll hear more about him later. And uh, I want to instead open with some entertainment. I, as you well know, am a fan of, um, I would say, war movies, violent movies, gangster movies. I learn a lot from them about how evil man can be in plain English. And I'm captivated by these movies, as I always have been since I'm a little boy. I've said that to you before. So there was a show I've been watching on TV called Godfather of Harlem. Again, it's the glorification of a heroin dealer. They turn him into some loving uh, uh, character. Bumpy Johnson played by Forrest Whitaker. Now, the reason I'm talking about it is that it's a piece of American culture, a piece of art. Forrest Whitaker is a great actor. I've always liked him. The problem with this show is this. By the way, anyone listening to the show, have you seen Godfather of Harlem? It's on an an unusual uh, network called Epics, and I just stumbled upon it. It's a mob story. It's not like The Sopranos. It's not like The Godfather. But it does have a phenomenal cast, by the way, if you like acting. The actors are amazing in it. You got Forrest Whitaker playing the the heroin dealer Bumpy Johnson. You got Nigel Thatch playing Malcolm X. You got uh, Giancarlo Esposito playing Adam Clayton Powell. You have Vincent D'Onofrio playing Vincent the Big Chingigante. You got Paul Servino playing Frank Costello. You got Shaz Palminteri playing Joe Bonanno. These are big actors, and they're all good at their roles. There are some subtexts that are worth talking about from a political, social point of view. It's all about crime, but it's also about Islam. One of the most prominent elements of this so-called crime show is Islam, and it's a subtle propaganda TV show for Islamic conversion. Uh, this this heroin dealer is shown almost like a Robin Hood who's trying to clean up the neighborhood from the drugs. Uh, no, sorry, <laughs> let's back up. The heroin dealer is seen as a villain, but a kind of nice villain, even though he's flooding his own community with heroin and destroying the black community in Harlem. However, they then show Malcolm X as played by Nigel Thatch as a sterling hero of the entire series. And every time they flash to the mosque in Harlem, there's a big sign on the wall, uh, Christianity is white man's is white man's prison, Islam is freedom, something like that. And it'd be very appealing if you were a downtrodden black or a drug addict or something like that, and they put, pulled you out of the street and cleaned you up. I can understand that. On the other hand, it's really not true. That's not what it really comes down to be. And uh, if you've watched the show, you'll know what I'm talking about. What it is, it's a crossover tale, a social justice tale 
in the early 60s about African-American life in New York City. And uh, well done, but a little predictable in some ways. And I would suggest that if you like crime novels or crime dramas like uh, this TV show that I'm talking about, The Godfather of Harlem, it's kind of hit and miss. It's a little too preachy. Uh, the characters are a little too uh, predictable. But at the end of the day, it's still entertaining. And that's the important thing. It's entertaining. It's, it's artful in many ways. And uh, the first hour is pretty good. But after that, The Godfather of Harlem, Harlem really falls into a predictable pattern of mob cliches rather quickly. And then the sociological elements of race are interesting in there. They throw around the N-word throughout The Godfather of Harlem, by the way. And that is to show you how people spoke in the 1960s, especially the Italian gangsters. I mean, they do not hold punches on throwing around that N-word, by the way. On the other hand, the African-Americans use slang against Italians and against Jews, and that goes on. And then there's the subtext of a love story, a second-tier love story about you're supposed to believe Big Chin had a daughter who he did named Stella, who fell in love with a black musician, Teddy, and uh, it's sort of like a, uh, a Romeo and Juliet behind the scenes because her father would kill uh, uh, this guy if he found out that she was still seeing him while she's in love with the black guy and blah, blah, blah. And the black kid's mother hates the white girl because she thinks he, she, the white girl stole the son. You know, all of that stuff. And then the interchange or the interlink inter, uh, between Islam and Christianity is a little disturbing, by the way, because, again, it's a propaganda uh, show for Islamic conversion. Now, many of you probably won't even see this, but you know I'm a man who loves movies. And frankly, this is worth doing if you like gangster movies and stuff. And it's on TV and it's a, a cable job. It's that simple. By the way, one final note on Big Chin Giganti's daughter. He did have a daughter named Stella who's still alive. So far as I know, she didn't have a relationship with a black musician. I don't know if that was true or false. But she recently married her girlfriend. And she said her father in heaven is smiling down from heaven because she fell in love with her girlfriend at a, some psychic event. And they've been uh, happily married ever after in a lesbian relationship. Now, if you can believe that, then you can believe this show called Godfather of Harlem. And that is one of the topics I have talked about today on the program. Let's have a little music, my friends, opening up the lines at 855-400-7282. 855-400-SAVAGE. It's Rock and Roll Friday. And uh, I want to read you one piece of politics. A friend of mine named Bob, Bob DeMoss, actually, who I know well from years ago, I haven't heard from him for years, wrote, Savage about yesterday's show. Great show, as always. What I don't get is how Americans fail to see the interconnectedness between these recent attacks by the left, from the Russia collusion hoax to the attack on Brett Kavanaugh, and now the Ukraine impeachment. The Pelosi shift cabal are exhibiting exactly what you observed back in Trickle Up Poverty. That was written years ago. He says, on page 53, you said the following, and I'm going to quote my own book, in Trickle Up Poverty. Remember what Obama's radical chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, said? Quote, you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. That is what the Cloward-Piven strategy is all about. In short, in order to usher in socialist change, Cloward-Piven taught the following. One, make a crisis. Two, make it publicly visible. Three, make sure it involves disrupting some institutional or societal sector. Four, capitalize on the social unrest it produces. Bob went on to say, if these attacks by the left remain unchecked, you said then in your book, quote, we'll go from the USSR to the USSA, the United Socialist States of America in one generation. Michael, your words are even more relevant today as when you first wrote them. And here's a little more news for those of you who love Hunter Biden. 
Hunter Biden is really the black sheep of that family. My God, here's another one about Hunter, the guy who took the grift on the side from the Ukrainians working in an oil company knew nothing about. I don't think a guy could pump gas. He seems like he's so disoriented, Hunter Biden. I don't think he can put gas in the car, but he's making 50 grand a month from a gas company in Ukraine. Here's a new story out of the Daily Mail. Hunter Biden, 49, is the father of a Kansas woman's child. Paternity test confirms, and the 28-year-old is demanding child support for their baby, who is eligible for Secret Service protection because of Grandpa Joe's political status. Do you believe this story? Can you believe a story like this in America? The un, the baby of this fling now gets Secret Service protection, and I don't. Can you believe this? He has a, a, a schnup in the night, a flip in the night, the child is born. DNA test shows that it's Hunter Biden's child, according to court records obtained by the Daily Mail. And the baby gets Secret Service protection, and I don't. It's unbelievable to me. The world that I live in, it's crazy. It's hard to actually follow it. Again, I'm not going to get stuck on any of this stuff. I'm just doing the show. And I, I know that you don't want to hear any more about impeachment. I know you don't. I just intuitively know, no matter what anyone else may do, it's stuff already. Stop. Stop with the obsessive-compulsive disorder. Anyone who still talks about this day and night as OCD, by definition, see a psychiatrist, get medication. It's rock and roll Friday. That's what I'd rather talk about. Movies, music, art, books, science, cars. God, anything but the OCD talk about impeachment already. But then again, that's what people want to hear is about impeachment. So true to form, the president can't let it go himself. Again, as I said to you yesterday, you have to blame him a little, a little bit for this. He doesn't make it easy for those of us who support him. He comes out today and he goes again on his favorite show, on uh, one of the shows on Fox, and he screams, I want a trial. Now, why would he do that? Why does he have to do this right now? Listen to clip two. The bottom line is all of those witnesses, they're all shifty shifts. Don't forget, there was no due process. You can't have lawyers. We couldn't have any witnesses. Right. We want to call the whistleblower. But you know who I want as the first witness? Because, frankly, I want a trial. You know, I could think I could have it. See, again, he spoke without thinking. Do you understand what happens when you do free association and stream of consciousness? That works in talk radio. That's been my stock and trade since I began in two, whatever the year, 1994, right? 1994, stream of consciousness. No one had ever heard it before in talk radio. It was in a long line going back to Moses, stream of consciousness. It works fine in radio if you get used to it and you like it, which I do, and you like it. My audience likes it. It doesn't work for a president. The world hinges on a president's statements. Countries are moved. Armies are moved by a president's statements. You can't. Just do a stream of consciousness presidency. Mark that one down. You can't do a stream of consciousness presidency. It does not work. And it isn't working. Now, whether Trump is innocent or not is almost irrelevant right now. He did not have to get up there today and bumble. I want a trial. Why? What the hell does he need to say I want a trial for? Why? Okay, why? Why? I'm talking to myself here. Uh, Trump to Fox and Friends. Adam Schiff is a sick puppy. You made the whole thing up. We know that. Trump, crazy Nancy Pelosi, has gone down as the uh, worst speaker in history. We know that. Uh, Trump, we had a tremendous week with impeachment hoax. Whistleblower doesn't exist. We know that. But the worst soundbite of the day, one I'm reluctant to play, is of the brown supremacism and the outright anti-Semitism and racism of half-cortex. 
I do not know how she cannot be thrown out of Congress for being this overt racist that I've always sensed she is, this uh, bartender. She actually had a nerve, the nerve, to attack Stephen Miller saying he weaponized his Jewishness to advance white nationalism. That is no different than the Ku Klux Klan or the American Nazi Party. Half Cortex is a psychotic racist. Shall I play it for you? I'll think about it during the break. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Do you know that a dirty CPAP can make you sick and that you are supposed to clean it every single day? Well, who wants that hassle? Did you know that nearly one billion individuals are affected by sleep apnea around the world? With that, negative health issues can arise when CPAP equipment is not cleaned properly. Don't you want a safe and effective automated sanitizing solution? Listen, if you are a CPAP user, soap and water cleaning may allow harmful germs and bacteria to build up in your CPAP equipment. This can make you sick. That alone will keep you up at night. Well, until now, that is. So Clean is the world's first automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. So Clean kills up to 99.9% of all CPAP germs and bacteria that can build up in your mask, hose, and reservoir. So Clean is easy to use. Just put the mask in, close the lid, and walk away. So Clean works with all popular CPAP machines and masks. No messy chemicals or water. The So Clean is convenient and user friendly. So Clean uses advanced technology to sanitize your CPAP equipment with just the touch of a button. It's the safer, healthier way to breathe cleaner and have a better CPAP experience. So Clean has approximately 9,000 five star reviews and is now the leading CPAP cleaner in the U.S. Right now, for my listeners, you can try So Clean risk free. For 30 nights, even shipping is free. So don't wait and call 1-800-520-2587. I better read that again. 1-800-520-2587. Or go to SoClean.com to get this 30-night risk-free trial and free shipping. Write it down and call it. I'll go slowly this time. 800-520-2587. 1-800-520-2587 or go to SoClean.com today. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We are back on the Savage Nation and now I'll turn to the topic that I've avoided all day because I think we've heard all we really want to hear about it. But have we? There's a man out there who knows a lot more about the legal aspects than I do and that is John Yu. Now you may know the name. Great guy. He's a law professor, former government official. He's a famous author. He is the Heller Professor of Law at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law, my alma mater, in another field. But you probably know John Yu as serving, having served during the Bush administration in the Department of Justice. John, I'm very happy that you could make it with us today. Thanks for the time. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. We missed each other several times over the last few months. I was hoping you could have showed up at my event at the club. I know you remember, but I'm glad you're here today. I was way in, gl- was way in the back. You were there? Yeah, I was there. It was a great show. I mean, I, I was there, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't get to say hello to you. I'm very glad you were there. So you heard my attempt at Mark Twain humor. Okay, good to hear that. Uh, John, you're at Berkeley in the School of Law, which is a very divided campus, 
They don't let anyone speak out. They close people down if they don't agree with. How do you survive as a professor at the at, at, at Bolt Law School? You know, I'm glad you raised that. I really worry about the closing down of the American campuses to all viewpoints. And so I was really glad, for example, to see that the campus was able to host Ann Coulter here two days ago, although it sounded like about 500 protesters showed up to stop her. And you and I may agree with some of her thoughts and I disagree with other of her thoughts, but it's really important that she be able to speak. And I remember when I was a student, uh, it was sometimes the most influential, impactful things I learned in school, I heard from outside speakers and not from the classroom. So mm-hmm. even though the academy is becoming left and even though you might see only one side of things in the classroom, I think it's that's why it's even more important to bring uh, speakers of all ideologies. I hope you'll come back to your alma mater and speak here now that you've spoken at the university club now. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that another time. If you think there was a protest for Ann Coulter, you could just imagine what would happen if it was announced that Michael Savage is speaking at University of California in Berkeley. Uh, I don't think I really want to put up with those left-wing fascists, truthfully. But nevertheless, let's go into the impeachment hearings just for a minute. First of all, you are an attorney. You're a professor. You served under Bush in the Department of Justice. And now you've come under fire after making comments about Ukraine engaging in espionage. What did you actually say that they attacked you for? So what happened was I was on the Laura Ingram show on Fox, and she read a report about Lieutenant Colonel Vidman, who's one of the people who've testified. He was a he's a national security was a national. Security. Oh, I, I know who he is. I don't I don't particularly buy his act, but we'll talk about that at another time. Mm-hmm. So he uh, so she read an account to me uh, that had been in the New York Times actually. <clears throat> Ukrainian officials had called him uh, to find out uh, how to handle Trump. Mm-hmm. So I kind of laughed and I said, well, some people might call that espionage. And what I, but I, and then I moved on to say, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what Lieutenant Colonel Vidman says or testifies because all the facts about impeachment are pretty much out there. And my, what I meant to say was that the Ukrainians are engaged in espionage against us. I thought it was incredible. They actually directly called someone on the National Security Council staff. They're the people who are in charge of the nation's uh, most important secrets. And right. I think they're. I, so I thought I thought that was remarkable that they would try. But they turned it around and made it sound as if you were accusing him of espionage. Yeah. So that. So then. Yeah. I didn't actually realize I had said anything even that remarkable. And then the next morning, I woke up and all these. I got all these crazy emails and texts and friends of mine were saying, "Can you see what they're saying about you on Twitter?" Thankfully, I don't use Twitter, so I didn't see it. But they said, "Look, you know, they are accusing you of saying Vidman's a spy and a double agent." Uh, you're attacking the uniform and the military. I said, that's nonsense. Well, look, I, I attacked them because, frankly, I was shocked between you and I, John, that during the hearings, and I don't know how the Republicans dug this up, the Ukrainian defense minister offered him the position of defense minister three times. I was shocked by that. Well, I think that goes to the Ukrainians, like uh, other countries, are trying to influence us, and they are engaged in espionage operations against us. It would be crazy if they weren't. <laughs> I mean, actually, I would be surprised if Ukraine wasn't up to things with us. Well, I, I said on Twitter, why was Colonel Vindman offered the job of Ukrainian defense minister three times while serving in the White House? Why would they think he might take it? That was my loaded question. Why him? Why did they think he was vulnerable to their offer? 
And unfortunately, I think uh, what it obscures is that what we saw in the impeachment hearings are testimony by people who are pure, you know, in the military or the Foreign Service who I think are undermining the ability of the president to pursue foreign policy because they disagree with them. Hmm. I think that's the deeper story is you have these, uh, you know, a bureaucracy, a permanent government that is frustrating a president who, for good or ill, was elected by the American people to pretty much do what he's doing. Hmm. Well, you know, John, at the end of the day, as an attorney who watch, watches the impeachment uh, uh, circus, where do you think this is going to go? Obviously, Pelosi was going to impeach him no matter what came out, right? Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> In other words, even if it turned out that nothing that they disclosed was disclosed, uh, because there was a big nothing there, as far as I could tell. They're going to impeach him anyway in order to embarrass him and try to move people away from Trump. Yet the latest polls are showing that the independence support for Trump actually went up, John. Yes, I think there's. I think you're pointing out a, a very important sh- uh, political consequence, and then I think there's a worrisome, deeper constitutional problem. But the short-term political thing is that nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. The public hearings haven't changed anyone's mind. Uh, all the facts that we learned when the transcript of the phone call between Trump and the Ukrainian president release are still the facts. Nothing's really changed. I have every expectation, as you say, that the House will impeach. And I have every expectation the Senate will acquit. And so if everyone knows that, then I think the House Democrats have driv- uh, you know, just dragged the country through an enormous waste of time and effort. Mm. When there are other important problems to solve. Oh, my God, are there ever. Why are we not talking about China's incursions into the South China Sea? Why are we not talking about currency manipulation? Why are we suddenly ignoring the southern border? These are the real problems, aren't they? Yes. And then there's the deeper constitutional problem here, which is the founders wanted elections. I think presidential elections and midterm elections to be the main uh, check or the verdict on a president. Okay. Impeachment was for extraordinary things, and I worry that the Democrats are going to turn impeachment into an everyday thing, which would really harm the independence of the president and the ability to carry out the people's agenda. Well, you know, John, what they're trying to do, if that is true, is nullify the meaning of an election altogether and put the power back into the hands of Congress to determine the course of an election, no matter what the people say. That's what Pelosi and Schiff basically accomplished if they succeed in bamboozling the American public. I don't think they have, though. I think that the endless trial, the Stalinist show trial that they conducted, and Schiff is one of the most uh, unattractive individuals they could have chosen to run with this ball. He didn't look right. Something was wrong with his line of questioning. He acted like a petty Soviet dictator. Don't you agree with that? You know, I don't say this very often. But you know what? I think Nancy Pelosi was right. Remember, originally she knew this was going to be a disaster. She didn't want to have impeachment proceedings. Okay. Right? She didn't want Schiff out there. She didn't want Jerry Nadler out there because she knew it was going to be a political loser. And then she got rushed into it by the, you know, the left-wing base of her party. I think her initial instinct was right. As you say, she could tell. I think she's, that this was going to look bad for the Democrats. It was going to look partisan. Impeachment is not supposed to be a partisan process. That's why the founders made the vote to remove two-thirds, made it so high, was to make sure one party or another could just drive impeachment because they want to, a Congress wants to place the president under its thumb. 
Well, Pelosi covered her tracks today and said that they're very patriotic for doing this, uh, which, of course, is the opposite of the truth. But let's go on to the Senate for a minute. Let's say the House votes to impeach, which is a given. That's what they're going to do. Do you think that there are enough Republicans to turn coat on on uh, on Trump and, and get rid of him? No, I mean, you need 20 Republican senators to change uh, to change you know, to vote against the president. And my sense of the polls is that if you look at how Trump's approval rating is doing, so, you know, the media keeps talking about Trump's overall approval rating. What's actually important is Trump's approval rating in the states where those Republican senators are from. And ah. as far as I can tell, his approval ratings in those states are very high. Ah. Very, it'd be remarkable if, the, if you said 20. That's I, so yeah. important. So the 20 states that are key to impeachment in the Senate, those senators, his approval rating went up. Yes, his approval ratings have gone up. He's very, and it's not, it's much higher than the national average. You know, some mm. is above, well above fifty percent. Oh, I love. I didn't know that. That's very good to know. So it's a moot point. The whole thing is just an exercise in in political gerrymandering to try and change the mind of Americans or what? By the way, you mentioned the name Nadler. He, for people who don't know who he is, he is the guy who lost hundred pounds, the best hundred pounds of himself through a gastro, a gastric bypass, and all that's left is a man who. Uh, wears his pants underneath his pectoral muscles. How come he, why was he not seen during these hearings? This is another example of how, uh, I think, how the House Democrats really twisted the way normal impeachment is supposed to work because they're trying to bull rush this through the House Mm. instead of having a deliberate process. I mean, if they really thought there was an impeachable offense, they should take their time, bring all the witness forward and do it in the normal process, which would have meant going through the Judiciary Committee in the house which is chaired by jerry nadler oh so they went around that even wow yeah so instead they did it that's why shift is uh, such a problem because shift chairs a different committee the intelligence committee which isn't historically has never been involved in impeachment before hmm. never in any past impeachment and that's why you had all these strange rules that have been used to shut down for example republicans i think recently said well we'd like to have hunter biden appear as a witness <laughs> said no that in the past impeachments, the minority party has always been able to call witnesses. And the president, the White House counsel, has been able to send a representative. In past impeachments, they've always done that. And so mm. you've had, uh, I think, some shift in the intelligence committee, this very closed process. Things mm. under wraps, only certain witnesses called, but not others. Mm. Uh, you know, where's John Bolton? Where's, uh, you know, Rex Tillerson? Where's the Secretary of State, Defense, and all these other people? who would have had the actual conversations with Trump about this. Hmm. Nowhere to be found because the Intelligence Committee is trying to rush this through without the normal process that you know would be more deliberate and careful. John, what's going to happen next? Is she going to keep this up all through to Christmas and, and drive the American people even further away from the Democrats? If you go by what people are saying on the Hill, they're talking about they don't have any more hearings scheduled, which is amazing hmm. because... That, as I said, the top people, the most important witnesses, the House Democrats are afraid to call, I guess. They don't want to hear from them. Wow. And they're talking about having uh, articles of impeachment drafted and a vote in the House before uh, Christmas. Wow. That's, that's without the, the House Judiciary Committee even convening? It's not clear whether they're supposed to draft the articles, but nobody knows whether they're going to have hearings. Nobody knows whether, for example... I know you're interested in this. I'm interested in this. What is the definition of a high crime and misdemeanor? Didn't hear people about that in the hearings and intelligence committee. 
nobody knows whether it'll ever be de- debated or whether it'll be mm. whatever in the Judiciary Committee because there's no meeting schedule. And who knows if they'll ever debate it on the House. That's example how the Democrats are really... Well, the entire hearing to me was based on one word that the president allegedly said to the leader of another country. It was like one word. One or two words. Now, that's the whole basis for a high crime and misdemeanor. Let's say it's a man who misspeaks or a man who, who thinks out loud or a president who speaks out loud, uh, a president who speaks in, thinks in sound bites or thinks in, in another manner. That's not an impeachable offense if you think in, in that manner. I don't understand where this is coming from, actually, other than partisan politics. But you and I, I think, agree on that, and we're on the same side with this. So you think that December is not going to be a month of peace for the American people. It's going to be more of this, but uh, even more secretive now? Well, I think you're going to have a, a real, uh, potentially very unpleasant fight on the House floor. Hmm. It's interesting to see if some Democrats uh, switch sides and vote against impeachment because of the bad process and because, it, as you're saying, they just don't think there's enough evidence here. The, you know, suppose Trump was just saying Biden, Biden, because in shorthand for him, that means corruption. Everyone agrees that if Trump was demanding corruption investigations, that would have been fine. Oh, you know, we just don't know because we haven't had a full investigation of the facts. We haven't even really heard uh, from Trump in any formal way. We haven't and certainly have heard from the chief of staff and all these people. That's an example, I think, of the House doing a disservice. Mm-hmm. Not just the Senate, but to the American people so that we, you know, if they really thought the president did something impeachable, they have a duty to lay out the full facts and not just this kind of truncated sort of rump investigation. Yeah. John, what is your latest book? John, you, Y-O-O, what is your latest book? Uh, so I'm working on a book right now. The manuscript is due at the end of the month, and it's actually about Trump and the Constitution. okay well we'll have to have you back on with that one uh quick question are you going to be in the white house for that party on december 11th by any chance (laughs) are you (laughs) Uh, i won't say i won't say but thank you so much john a pleasure i hope we can meet in uh, person at the club one day because what you've said today has enlightened me in many many ways and i'm sure many of my listeners learned a lot today thank you again Thank you for having me on. It was great to hear from you, and I'd love to see you again. Speak. I want you to speak at Berkeley next. Oh, we'll have to talk about that. You'll have to get me an armored car. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear to me that the Democrat Party is a party of hate. They don't have a platform. They hate Trump. That we know. Okay. They hate white people, that we know. Every other word out of every other mouth in the campaign so far, they backed off a little bit, is that white is bad, white race bad, white supremacist this, white supremacist that, old white male this, old white male that. It's a party of division, a party of race warfare. Now, here is the problem. What they're trying to do by this racial hatred is marshal black people and Hispanic people, Asian people, Indian people, whatever, anyone of color, as they define themselves uh, on college campuses, to vote with them against the evils of the Republican Party, who they declare to be the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists. So then you have uh, a large swath of Americans who are educated, intelligent. They know that that's not true. And they don't know what to do because they don't want to side with a party that they feel may be associated with white supremacy. What they don't understand is they're being used by a party that stands for 
anti-white sentiment from top to bottom. It doesn't matter that all the leaders of the Democrat Party are of Caucasian background. What's important is that they're appeasing to the lowest elements of all other races on the planet. And what they're doing is they're giving white liberals almost no option but to vote for them. And to support my position, I'm going to play half Cortex, who couldn't keep her filthy mouth shut for another day. Uh, the impeachment hearings went on. She probably almost had a fit because no one was paying attention to her. The half donkey, the half mule there. She has a nerve to come out with the most racist statement I've heard yet. She says Stephen Miller weaponizes Jewishness to advance white nationalism. This is indistinguishable from the Nazi party or from the Ku Klux Klan. But because it, because it comes from an Hispanic woman, the vermin in the media made believe she didn't even say it. Here is the most racist statement of the year 2019. Listen to this. That's also the way in which he's weaponized his identity, right? Like, there's your, your, the color of your skin and the, and the identity you are born with does not absolve you of moral wrong. What? You know, it doesn't. What the hell is she and talking about? The perfect person, the perfect looking person to advance horrifically inhumane immigration policy would be someone that looks like me mm. or someone that looks like someone in this audience, right? Because that's what provides the cover for these incredibly damaging and dangerous policies. So I'm not here to weaponize my identity, and I don't think any public servant should weaponize their identity in order to advance white nationalist ideas, period, punto, I don't care who you are. So she's saying that Stephen Miller weaponized his Jewish identity to advance white nationalism. This is the most racist statement I have heard in my entire life from an American politician. If we had a sane Congress, she'd be thrown out of Congress tomorrow. There'd be an impeachment hearing to throw her out, not censure her, throw her out for what she just said. She goes on then on the CBS Late Show in clip six to talk about concentration camps. Again, this bartender is now an expert on that. Listen to this. The, the consensus of experts, of historians, of experts, of political scientists in saying that the conditions on our border, the mass expansion of detention camps qualifies as a concentration camp. Everybody thought it was right, nuts, stop. right? Do you realize I'm that these holding cells for these sacred Hispanic children were created by Obama? Do you realize that Obama created the jail cells and the cages that this lying, racist person is referring to? Do you realize that what she is saying is so incendiary it could trigger a civil war in this country? You don't understand any of that. I'm in my own world here, seeing truth as it is and trying to express it the best way I can. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Well, if the Republicans are in denial about the facts, if the Republicans do not want to honor their oath of office, then I don't think that this should be, we should be characterized as partisan in any way because we are patriotic. That's one of the most sardonic remarks in history. Uh, there is a sardonic remark related to that statement that the gangster Pelosi just made, where she says she's a patriot. And that remark is that patriotism is the last refuge of scoundrels. Do you understand that? Patriotism is the last refuge of scoundrels. I want to read something to you, and I'll tell you where it's from. Fervent patriotism, Nancy, as well as religious and revolutionary enthusiasm, often serves as a refuge from a guilty conscience, Nancy. It's a strange thing, Nancy, that both the injurer and the injured, the sinner 
and he who was sinned against should find in the mass movement an escape from a blemished life, Nancy. Remorse and a sense of grievance seem to drive people in the same direction, Nancy. The writer of this goes on to say the following, Nancy Pelosi. It is sometimes it sometimes seems that mass movements are custom made to fit the needs of the criminal, not only for the catharsis of his soul, but also for the exercise of his inclinations and talents. The technique, Nancy, of proselytizing mass movement aims to evoke in the faithful the mood of the mood and frame of mind of a repentant criminal, Nancy. Self-surrender, Nancy, which is, as will be shown in part three, the source of a mass movement's unity and vigor is a sacrifice, an act of atonement, and clearly no atonement is called for unless there is a poignant sense of sin. I'm reading from a great book called The True Believer by Eric Hoffer, which I first introduced to the radio world many, many years ago. It was then copied by the copycats in the business who have no originality at all. They come from a background of zero creativity and no no creativity whatsoever. All they do is copy the same stuff over and over and over and over over again, virtually destroying talk radio because people can, cannot accept original ideas on talk radio. Do you understand that? Now, I've sat here for 30 minutes talking about an, an, a new television show, about other topics, and people are not interested in it. People will only call now like conditioned serfs to talk about how bad liberals are or... Uh, liberalism bad, uh, hearings no good. This is all you want to talk about. I can't do it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the show over to you. Oh, don't think we haven't prepared. Uh, Jim and uh, Robert and Doug and Karen have worked since early in the morning. We have five pages of sound bites. I have 50 stories I can read to you, and I've done other stories, but you're not interested in them. So what I'm going to do is open it to open mic to Mike Friday, 855 and you can call on uh, any topic you'd like, but please not on impeachment. I will not talk about it. I can't do it. I think what I'd like to do is go back this week and look at the high points. And if you don't call, I'll do it my way, which is just sound and sound bites. Uh, and then we'll go on from there. On Monday, we did stuff on Schiff. You want me to play it? No. On Tuesday, I attacked the tin soldier Vidman. And I told you that he could be a deep state off a deep state plant. And I asked you, why would Ukraine offer him the job of defense secretary three times? Why would he do that? Why would he accept it? The first time, it could have come out of nowhere, but he went back for a second and third. Remember that show? Uh, on Wednesday's show, I said the Ken Starr story was picked up by all of the news outlets. And uh, Starr did not say what the headlines said. And yet there's been no retraction on any of the sites. Ken Starr did not say that Republican senators will go see Trump and tell him to resign. But that was reported in the media because Fox News ran with that. Yesterday, we talked about why our newspapers dying. Some topics I meant to get to this week included a great show called Ferrari Race to Immortality. Again, nobody was interested in that, but I was very interested in it because it's when auto racing was conducted by very noble race drivers. And the people in the field of auto racing were in a different class. They were like fighter pilots, warriors, gladiators on a battlefield. Now, today, you have race drivers who are maybe just as brave, but it's a different sport, a totally different sport than it was in those days. And I, I wanted to talk about it, and nobody was interested. That's because the American mind has been sucked dry by Pelosi and Schiff and literally destroyed. Here we have holiday, a holiday coming up, Thanksgiving next week. 
Do you know that Pelosi has stolen Thanksgiving from the American soul? Do you know that that witch, that evil witch, has stolen the holiday itself from the American people in order to advance her criminal agenda? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I mean, I'm very emotional about this, I admit. I have never seen a woman get away with crimes like this. What she has just done is a crime against the American people. Forget Donald Trump for one minute. She has stolen your holiday from you. What kind of leadership is this that doesn't talk about Thanksgiving or the holidays or give the American people a break from this trash, this partisan trash? What kind of government have we evolved in this nation that permits the lowest form of humanity to do this to us? It used to be said that politicians were corrupt, but that at least they could put on an act of caring for the people. We all knew that always through the years. Who else would become a politician? I mean, you, when you think about it, who would become a politician when you could do so many other things? You know, going back to that uh, TV show I wanted to mention the, uh, that no one saw, no one gives a damn about, called The Godfather of Harlem. You're not required to have seen it because I watched it. But in, in this show, one of the characters is a politician from Harlem called Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Adam Clayton Powell Jr. was a very, very charismatic black politician who had started as a preacher. And he was as corrupt as the day was long. But he was such a smooth salesman that uh, white people uh, liked him. Even when I was a kid in New York, and every time I saw him, I liked him. I didn't know anything about him. You know why? He didn't, he didn't do it with hatred. He didn't do it with the Nation of Islam style. He was so smooth in his selling of corruption as a politician that you could believe him. Now, the black people were the ones who were most bamboozled by Adam Clayton Powell Jr. And there's a great line in this show where someone says to the Adam Clayton Powell Jr., he's a congressman, by the way, uh, character, he says to him something about, look, you're hanging around with a uh, heroin dealer. This Bumpy Johnson, you know, doesn't look good. He's a criminal. You shouldn't be seen with him. And the character, Adam Clayton Powell Jr., says, he says, look, I'm a politician. If I didn't want to hang around with criminals, I wouldn't be a politician. Well written, uh, well written, very well written, of course. And that's what most people actually think is the truth with the Democrats particularly. We know that it's a party of crime, a party of criminals. They want open borders. They want the drugs to flow in. I mean, do you have to be stupid to not understand this? One party wants to close the border, which is not true, by the way, not one party. The Republicans don't want to close the border. They have exactly what they want, which is open borders, incidentally. So by and large, 85% of the politicians want open borders with the contraband and the illegal aliens coming in for, for the obvious reasons. Maybe 15% of the, of the uh, Republican Party, mainly Freedom Caucus, a few others, want the borders sealed. Maybe 75 to 80% of the American people want the borders sealed. Who are, who are our representatives? We elected a president who said he would do it. Now, to his credit, he tried. He's been blocked at every turn by the criminal enterprises that do not want that border sealed. It's that simple, and we're stuck here. It's really, uh, we're stuck here in the middle of it all, you know? It's that simple, okay? Again, 855-407-282 is the phone number. Let's play the Ferrari Race to Immortality trailer just to get our minds off uh, some of these things. Or should I take a call? What would you like me to do? You want me to take a call? You want me to not take a call? I mean, we have a bunch of callers. Uh, Hunter Biden is the father of a Kansas woman's child. Paternity test confirms. That should be big news. Can you imagine if... Uh, the story came out in the Daily Mail that uh, Donald Trump Jr. is the father of an Arkansas woman's child, a paternity test confirms. 
and the 28-year-old is demanding child support for their baby, who is eligible for Secret Service protection because of Grandpa Donald's political status. The world would go crazy, right? But because Pelosi is such a liar, and because the media is owned by the Democrat Party, or is it the Democrat Party owned by the media? I'm not sure. This story of Hunter Biden fathering a child, uh, an illegitimate child, if you want to call it that. Today, I don't know what's legitimate in America anymore. I don't know what's legitimate at all anymore. With a million same-sex couples, what's a legitimate child anymore? Can anyone tell me? Tell me what's a legitimate child. In my day, I knew what a legitimate child was and an illegitimate child. It's very clear. You were ashamed if you had an illegitimate child, so no one had one. No one. It was like you hit it. You got married legitimately, and you had a baby. That was a legitimate child. Mother, father, birth certificate. That's what I grew up with. Pardon me from another world. Today, you don't know if it's a clone, a test tube job. You don't know what the child is. So well, what's legitimate and illegitimate anymore? No one knows. That's the object here. You know, everything is thrown up into the toilet bowl right now. It comes to the toilet bowl. 855 Oh, we got a lot of calls now on other topics. Uh, yeah, here's a good call on China. Let's do that one. Mike in Colorado, line four. Go ahead, please. Hi, Dr. Savage. Uh, can you talk about the threat of China from your... Yes, that's what Nancy Pelosi doesn't want us to know. That's because the Democrat Party is in bed with China. That's because many Democrat politicians make a fortune from China. That's because many former politicians are working for China. China is the gravest threat to America's future security. Any other questions? I mean, should I be specific? Militarily, they're trying to catch up with us. Financially, they own us because they own our T-bills. I can go up and down the list. Trump tried to stop some of that. He was blocked by the, by the American Better Business Bureau, who represents all of the American businesses that do not want tariffs and don't give a damn if China uh, supersedes us five years from now because all they care about is the bottom line. It's that simple. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, China is our gravest threat. Now, here's the funny thing about the Democrats. They're making Russia into our greatest threat, aren't they? They want another war with Russia. They started a Cold War when it was over with. There was no Cold War. Before Trump came to power, Russia was our ally. We were doing business with Russia. It was all good. All of a sudden, and I saw it with, with Hillary when she was running, she called Putin Hitler. And I was surprised by that. I said, what the hell is she doing? Why is she trying to stir up a new Cold War? What is Hillary doing in trying to start up a new Cold War against Russia? Why? Russia doesn't pose a threat to us. It's China that's making all these machinations against us militarily, financially, and in other ways. Why are the Democrats trying to focus the average moron's attention on Russia? And then here it comes again. Two years, Russia collusion, not China collusion, with the Bidens, for example. Russia collusion, Russia collusion, Russia collusion. Again, divertisement, divertisement, divertisement. That blew up in their faces. They shifted to uh, Ukraine collusion, Ukraine collusion, Ukraine collusion. Ukraine. No one even knows what Ukraine is. No one knows why it became uh, essential to our national security, because it isn't. It has no value to us on a national security level. Do you understand that? Do you have any under, uh, understanding of the fact that even though we sent them Javelin missiles, while Obama only sent them uh, blankets and pillows, by the way, even though we sent them Javelin missiles because Trump was pressured into doing so, tell me what in the hell they need Javelin missiles for. Oh, to stop Russian tanks from crushing Ukraine? Let me explain something to you. We have a thing called airplanes. It w they were invented by the Wright brothers. Remember them? And airplanes are based 
all over Europe and in the area. We actually don't need to give Ukrainians javelin missiles if we're worried about Russians making an incursion into Ukraine. You understand we could have used our Air Force? Do you understand what a lie this whole thing is? It's all a distraction. It's all a charade to get our mind off China. That's my opinion. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. I want to ask you, the American people, why a racist like occasional cortex can use overt racist statements about people and get away with it. I want to know why you find that acceptable. I want to know how this person, occasional cortex, I will never refer to her by her legitimate names because I feel she's the most illegitimate politician in American history. Do you realize how racist she is when she said that Stephen Miller, who was Jewish, weaponized his Jewishness to be a racist by uh, his immigration policies that he talks about? Do you understand by her talking about cages for her little Hispanic children friends, what she's doing is stirring up hatred amongst Hispanic people for Americans when in fact these, quote, cages are better than the homes they came from? Number one, they're not cages. Number two, the, quote, cages, which are holding cells, holding tanks, holding facilities were built under the Obama regime. Do you understand that she gets away with this because of the vermin in the media? You know, I'm the only one in the media who is talking about this person and calling her a brown supremacist. You know, I'm the only person in the media who is calling her a Hispanic supremacist and an overt racist. And that's a very sad thing that I have to be the only one calling occasional cortex an overt racist and a Hispanic supremacist. But I stand by those words because that's what she is by every definition. She said Stephen Miller weaponized his Jewish identity to advance white nationalism. She said she was right to use the term concentration camps because Stephen Miller is a white nationalist. She is indistinguishable from the Ku Klux Klan. And the reason she gets away with it is because she has Hispanic last names and she's a woman. Do you realize how sick this is, the country you're living in? you realize what's really going on in this country while these Democrats get away with screaming race in a crowded nation? Again, the phone number here is 855-400-728. Here's a quick call we got to take from San Francisco. Henry on line four. What's your story, Henry? What's going on down there? Michael, I've taken matters in my own hands. I've evicted four bums from the uh, property around the uh, 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 the gated community. And uh, I just put their stuff in the dumpster. They show up here with their carts, take up a parking space. I live six blocks from the bum and poop capital of the world on Haight-Ashbury. By the way, Joan Didion in 1969 visited Haight-Ashbury and called it soulless. I call it the land of the living dead. But so it, what? You, the bums are, are prolific. The bums have proliferated in this ex-hippie neighborhood. Is that what, what's happened? Well, yeah, of course. And they, well, that's well. Remember who was there first? First came the hippies, then came the street the street addicts with their uh, rottweilers on chains. Remember them scaring everybody in the streets of Haight Ashbury. And there's a reason for it. It's because these people are like opportunistic infections. They move into a weakness. And they saw tolerance as weakness, and they've taken over your neighborhood. So you own property there, and now you can't even enjoy your own property, right? 
No, I don't own property. I'm one of the residents, but I, you know, we have women and children here, and I don't like it. So I just, you know, I, we have a dump. Well, you better not let the police know because you'll be arrested by the new uh, terrorists, uh, the new terrorist son, who's now the DA. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book, see the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is The Savage Nation. Census says number of majority Hispanic U.S. counties doubles. Now you understand Pelosi's strategy, don't you? In the latest evidence of the effect Latin American immigrants are having on the United States, that's a misnomer, they're not immigrants, illegals, the number of U.S. counties that have turned majority Hispanic has doubled. New Census Bureau data analyzed by the Pew Research Center found that from the year 2000 to 2018, the number of majority Hispanic counties jumped from 34 to 69. What's more, the overall number of U.S. counties that turned majority, minority-based, mostly Hispanic or African-American, also surged to 151 from 110 in 2000. Most of these uh, counties uh, were in Southern California and along the Mexico-U.S. border. Overall, 69 counties were majority Hispanic in 2018. 72 were majority black and 10 were majority American Indian or Alaska Native. The majority American Indian or Alaska Native counties are unique in that most have experienced overall population declines since 2000 even as the share of American Indian or Alaska Native residents in these counties remain fairly flat, said the Pew analysis. So what do you make of all this? It's simple. It's called gerrymandering population in order to make sure that the criminal Democrat Party stays uh, in power in Congress. Any other questions? I've got the answers. 855-CALL-THE-SAVAGE-NATION, 855-400-SAVAGE. At the bottom of the hour, we have a great guy, John Yu, on the show to talk about I guess what most people want to hear about, his opinion of the, of the impeachment stuff, I frankly have seen enough of it for the rest of my life. They, the Democrats are the Grinch that stole Thanksgiving and Christmas. They do not want Americans to go home for the holidays. They do not want Americans to talk about anything except how evil Donald Trump is. That's all they do. I've never, ever seen such hatred and propaganda in my life. And the best example of the psychosis of the left can be seen in the American Jewish community, the liberal Jewish community. Yes, I will focus on them for a moment. I saw an article the other day from Jewish Democrats or something like that who said it's clear that it was in the Jerusalem Post, right? And the headline was, American Jewish Democrats say that Trump is the greatest threat uh, that they face. And I, I, I scratched my head because Donald Trump is actually the best friend the Jews ever had in the White House. There has never been a better time to be Jewish in America than right now under Donald Trump. In addition to moving the embassy to, to Jerusalem, which means nothing to American Jews since they hate Israel to begin with and they hate their own religion by and large, 
you've got to understand something. When you say American Jews, who are you talking about? That's, you know, a couple of million people. Are you, th you think they're all liberal? Maybe 90% are. And of these liberals, of the 90%, 90% of them are self-hating Jewish people, in my estimation, who are literally digging their own graves and don't even know it. How can they say that Donald Trump is an anti-Semite when his daughter converted to Judaism, his son-in-law is an Orthodox Jew, his grandchildren from that family are Jewish, he's the best friend Israel ever had? How can they say a thing like this? Well, the answer is because they don't think. They are just reflexive. They just reflex what the liberal community wants them to think. So if you're a non-thinking Hispanic, you think that Donald Trump is an anti-Hispanic. No, he's an anti-illegal alien president. That's different than anti-Hispanic. As a matter of fact, the little secret that the media won't tell you is that most Hispanic people in America who are here as citizens legally uh, despise illegal aliens. They don't want them here. I don't think you understand this. I do because I talk to people. I read the data that's not published by um, uh, Disneyland ABC. The fact is, is that the people who are affected most by the illegal alien hordes are the poorest people in America, the people on the bottom. How the black community, for example, does not rise up against the influx of illegal aliens from south of the border, I'll never, well, I do understand. Their politicians are corrupt. They keep them down. The poor black people are the ones who are most affected by the floods of illegal aliens from south of the border because they're all competing for the same pie, the same piece of the pie. And yet there's no uprising amongst the African-American people because they have nothing but corrupt leadership. There's virtually, can you name one African-American leader who speaks for the African-American people who actually speaks for their well-being and their good? I, I can't think of one. If, if you could, I would be glad to. As I told you in the last hour, I started the show by talking about a TV show that no one seems to have seen called The Godfather of Harlem. Has anyone actually seen it? I'm the only one who watched it on that unknown network epics. Okay, fine. And it's about the uh, mixture of uh, the uh, mashes up the historical and political events of the 1960s. It's around the real life gangster Bumpy Johnson, played by Forrest Whitaker, who was a heroin dealer, literally destroying his own black community in Harlem by pumping heroin into Harlem. Think about that one. He was a black heroin dealer who literally decimated his own community with heroin. And he was glorified a little bit in this series by making him into a, a, a sympathetic character played by Forrest Whitaker with the droopy eyes. Then you have someone who they put up in this show called uh, Malcolm X, played by Nigel Thatch. And Malcolm X is shown as a godlike figure who only wants to help the black people by converting them to Islam. Now, I would say there were at least 25 flashes to a scene inside the mosque in Harlem where huge block letters said Christianity, is something along the lines of Christianity is enslavement by the white man. Islam is freedom. They showed this in the show over and over and over again. The Italians are shown as vicious, no good gangsters. There's not an Italian in this show that's shown as a normal, decent American Italian. Every one of them is an evil man. Every one of them. There's Chin Giganti, Frank Costello, Joe Bonanno. You would think that all Italians were gangsters if you watch this show. And 
Oh, they say that while this story is inspired by actual persons and events, certain characters, characterizations, incidents, locations, and dialect were fictionalized or invented for purposes of dramatization, and they have to put that in. Again, it's entertaining at the end of the day. The interchange between the Italians and the black gangs to sell heroin is kind of interesting to me for a number of different uh, reasons. The proselytizing about Islam is very interesting in many ways. Because when you think about the subtle propaganda of that statement that Christianity is the white man's religion that was created to enslave blacks, that's actually taught today by, uh, uh, by Muslims. I don't know if you know that. Did you know that? Do you know that that's a fact, Jim? I don't know if anyone really knows that. They teach that Christianity uh, is a religion that was created by the white man to enslave the black people. And I've never seen anyone try to counter that in any way. <clears throat> the good news is that the majority of American black people are Christians, if they're religious at all. They're not Muslim. However, if you watch this show and you are a poor black kid, you have nothing to look forward to. Your father's in jail, let's say. I'm talking the poorest of the poor. Your mother's working two jobs. You might be seduced by the appeal of Islam. You see the guys, they don't use drugs. They don't use alcohol. They don't uh, run after women. It's a dignified message that is taught as presented in this particular story. However, the difference between Islam as pushed by Elijah Muhammad and that pushed by uh, the current purveyor of hatred, Louis Farrakhan, are two different sides of Islam. Elijah Muhammad pushed an Islam that was idealized that was not hateful, while the other one, Louis Farrakhan, pushes something that isn't even Islam that's all hate. So it's a complex story that uh, is worth thinking about in these cross-sections of America right now. And uh, I can't say I recommend it or don't recommend it, and you're not going to listen if I tell you to listen to it. It's certainly more interesting than I'm not going to watch The Irishman about Jimmy Hoffa tonight. I'm supposed to sit home with a pizza now like a moron because Robert De Niro makes a gesture. I, I don't care about Jimmy Hoffa. I didn't care about Jimmy Hoffa in the 60s that is, he disappeared. Why would I care about that? <laughs> of all the stories in the world, why would anyone care about Jimmy Hoffa? Well, you're supposed to sit home tonight with Netflix with a pizza pie and popcorn and sit there and for three hours watch Joe Pesci do Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro do Robert De Niro and the other one do his, his shtick. I don't understand it. Even the movies have seemed to lost touch with reality. 855-400-7282. Uh, that is the phone number. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Here we have the best economy we've had in a half a century. Black unemployment level, lowest 50 years. Hispanic unemployment, lowest in 50 years. We're not in a foreign war. No one's been drafted. There have been almost no terrorist events in America under Donald Trump. And the, the insane left, because of the endless and relentless propaganda of the vermin in the media, and because of the lies of Pelosi in particular, with Schiff as her mouthpiece, have so brainwashed so many people, they actually think Trump is worse than the worst dictator in the history of the world. They've lost all context of reality. It's gotten so bad that American, the American people don't know what to do. They don't know which way to turn. They've never seen anything like it. They see a country that's in relatively good shape, and yet they hear it's in, it's in terrible shape day and night. 
Night and day, day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. Terrible, terrible. World is coming to an end. Uh, Noah's Ark will be needed in six years unless we give up our cars and all the resort to bicycles and uh, eating uh, rice or something like that. Just, you know, get rice patties and revert to some third world economy type of thing. Total insanity, total propaganda around the clock. Now I read a headline. World's largest hedge fund bets $1 billion on stock market sell-off. Do you know what's going to happen to this country if the economy goes south? Can you imagine what would happen if the economy blew out under Trump? Do you have any idea what would happen in this country? Because the only thing he's got going for him is the economy right now. And it's not the only thing he has, but it is the main thing he has going for himself right now. If the economy goes south... All bets are off. There'll be a riot, a revolution in the country, stirred up by Nancy Pelosi, who thrives on conflict and thrives on hatred. Now, remember this. A couple of years ago, this deceiver, Pelosi, spoke as a valedictorian, uh, I don't know, a speaker at UC Berkeley's graduation. I have the tape somewhere. We don't have to play it. She had the nerve to get up in front of graduates of the University of California at Berkeley and tell them to go out and be disruptors. Be a disruptor, she said. Go out there and be a disruptor. Here's a woman who's one of the richest, most powerful women in the world who told children to go out and be disruptors. Why would she do that? Why? I told you at the beginning of the show why. A friend of mine sent me an email. He said it's the Cloward Priven strategy all over again, which you were the first to write about in Trickle Up Poverty. It was copied by others who then presented themselves as great intellectuals. They all copy you. He said, on page 53, you said all about this. You wrote, remember what Obama's radical chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, said. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And he goes on, make a crisis, make it publicly visible, make sure it involves disrupting some institutional or societal sector, capitalize on the social unrest it produces. If these attacks by the left remain unchecked, you said in that book, we'll go from the USSR to the USS of A, the United Socialist States of America, in one generation. He says, your words are even more relevant today as when you first wrote them. Now, that was in a book entitled um, Trickle Up Poverty, which I don't remember the year exactly, 2011, 2012, uh, picked up by many as their own, which is fine. If you're the lead sled dog, the others on the uh, sled of radio only see you, uh, only one part of your body, which is your behind because they're always running in the back of the, uh, of, the, of the sled. But they pose as great heroes and leaders, but they've never had an original thought in their entire professional career. They're not known for original thoughts. They are what's known as derivative. In the world of literature, if someone copies someone's book or someone's poem or the style, they're known as derivative. They're, they're just written right off as derivative authors. It's the same in every field on earth. And as an innovator in this field a man who originated, if not originated, maybe popularized more than anybody, the technique of stream of consciousness. You know that no one's ever copied that because it's impossible to copy? Because if you have a very rigid mind that deals only in one or two dimensions, what you could do is read scripts and repeat yourself over and over and over. And it sells, don't get me wrong. That sells. The rigid two-dimensional mind sells. Unfortunately, and here's the unfortunate news, it also shapes the thoughts and minds of those who listen to talk radio in general. And as a result of that, 
People who think or think in a fluid manner or have fluid uh, ideas tend to tune out of talk radio. They won't listen to it. They write off the entire medium as a rigid orthodoxy that is presented only for stupid people. That's the sad truth. And that's where we find ourselves today. So you have to forgive me if I try to bring up ideas outside of what might be considered the norm of talk radio today, impeachment and Mueller and this and Schiff. I throw it in here and there, but I could care less right now. And it, uh, it's very hard for me to tell you that Donald Trump doesn't make it easier for me. Why did he have to come up today and go on Fox and Friends and say, I want a trial? Why would he say a thing like that? It's, it's the worst possible thing he could have said. What do you mean, I want a trial? Did anyone hear that? What did he mean by, I want a trial? So, so you know, it leaves those of us who support him uh, in, in, a, in a way, in, in a limbo. You can't support the guy for everything he says. What do you mean, I want a trial? He made a mistake. He wasn't doing four-dimensional chess. He was trying to do stream of consciousness, and he screwed up. And I'm telling you that the tweeting has to stop, the off-the-cuff speeches in front of a helicopter motor have to stop. Are they going to stop? No. I am off next week for vacation. I may check in from time to time. I may not. You'll be in good hands. Have a great Thanksgiving. And all I can say is we live in the greatest country on earth. Never forget that. Despite what Nancy Pelosi has done to this nation, it is still the greatest nation on earth. God bless America and God bless the president. The Westwood One Podcast Network.